You are listening to a message from Victory. We hope this will encourage you to grow in your faith. I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26 of Genesis 1 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 2 verse 7, Then the Lord formed a man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature." Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your words, for they are spirit and life to us. Lord, your words do have the power, as it's anointed by the Spirit, to transform us as our minds are renewed. Thank you, Lord. You are changing us. You're transforming us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. So, Lord, we open up our hearts and minds that we might receive your truth with joy and gladness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the book of Genesis is a narrative of the beginnings of mankind and of the nation of Israel, particularly through the stories of three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, generally, Moses is acknowledged as the author of um, Genesis, and beyond Genesis are the other four books of the Bible called the Pentateuch, which is the first five books, okay? So, hindi uh, pusha by itself, but it's part of a five books. But it's also clear that, yes, Moses wrote much of it, but it was really edited and collated by other editors after Moses. And this is important because when we understand why the book was written, then we will appreciate its significance for us. And one of the clues, as I said earlier, although Moses is the acknowledged author, he didn't write everything or edited everything. One in particular verse that comes to mind is Numbers 12, verse 3. It says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now, if you're a humble man, you won't write about yourself being humble, right? So, what is important, however, is the purpose for the writing, not just of Genesis, but of the first five books of the Bible. Okay, And if I could summarize it, this book is not just about a historical account of the beginnings of mankind, but a writing about history with a view of learning lessons for the future. In other words, hindi lang puto news report. Hindi puto salaysay lang do sa mga pangyayari nung unang panahon. The writers had an intention for writing it. And this is very important. Every time you read the Bible, there's a theological purpose for it. In fact, some people will try to understand, since we're reading the book of Genesis, 
how creation began, and they try to look for scientific reasons that will prove or disprove that. Pastor Rice Brooks just preached in UP a few weeks ago, and he did an excellent presentation from, from science pointing to the reality of a designer. The world we live in is so complex and so precise in its making that it's unmistakable that this was just by chance. Now, that's good and wonderful, but the Bible was not written to be a scientific treatise. There was an intention, a theological purpose. And what was that purpose? Okay? The purpose is that, as I said, it is a writing about history with a view to learning lessons for the future. Okay? And one commentary said this, the past events foreshadow the future. Now, this is vital to our understanding of the series called Imago Dei, which simply is a Latin phrase meaning the image of God. Okay? So, kung wala kayong alam sa Latin, ngayon may alam na kayo. Okay? That's an ancient language, but actually many of the English and the uh, European languages are derived as well from Latin or Spanish and other derivatives of Latin. Now, let me say this. This understanding of the beginning of mankind is important for us to understand God's intent in creating us. Meron pong inisipang Panginoon nung nilikha niya tayo. He had something in mind. He wasn't just randomly thinking, oh, what shall I do today? No, he had an intention and had a purpose. And when we understand that purpose, we will learn how we ought to live our lives today in accordance with that purpose. Okay? I want to emphasize that. The goal of learning about God's intent in creating you and me in the first place is so that we could be in alignment with that intent and purpose. According to Henry Nouwen, a renowned Catholic theologian in the 20th century said this, one of the tragedies of our life is that we keep forgetting who we are. Now, you may not be a theologian, but maybe in layman's terms we can understand it, and I'm going to describe that through a character that's one of the most beloved characters in recent times in the animated world, and his name is Simba. Okay? If you remember Simba, okay, he befriended Timon and Pumbaa. And uh, he grew up, he was cast away from where he lived, and you know, Timon was a, what was he, a meerkat, and Pumbaa was a warthog. And if you recall that scene, he learned a philosophy of life called Hakuna Matata. Naalala niyo ba ba yun? Alright, and Hakuna Matata is no worries. And he lived this life carefree, and as he was growing up, he basically had wanted to bury his tragic past. And we know what his tragic past was. He saw his father die, and he saw his uncle killing his father, and then he was cast away. But what happened was, one day, Nala, the lioness, was about to eat Pumba. Again, can you imagine Pumba lived in relative comfort? Here's this lion who could have eaten him all this time. And finally, when he realized he was going to be the lechon de leche for Nala, here was Simba trying to defend him, and they realized, hey, we know each other. The long and short of it is, okay, just watch Lion King again, okay? 
Rafiki, okay, the baboon, reminds him. He was trying to look for his father. He said, I know your father. And he tries to bring him to this pond where he looks into this pond. And he said, I don't see my father. And he moves the water. And then from there, he sees not his mirror image. He sees the image of his father, Mufasa. Okay, are you still getting this? And the famous line was, remember who you are. And you know what happened? You know, there was a wrestling. He knew he was supposed to be the king. He had forgotten that. By his father reminding him of what he was. He was supposed to be the Lion King. Something rose up in him eventually and says, I'm going to go back to where I came from. Could it be, brothers and sisters, that the reason for the many problems that we see in the world the brokenness, the pain, whether it's in your own life or in the life of the people around us. Could it be that many of them have forgotten who they are? And what we're going to do through this series on Imago Day is to bring to remembrance who we are and why God created you and me in the first place. And so with that, let's again Look at the scripture that we read. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What do we notice from this text that we just read? Now, we didn't get to read this anymore, but you can read that on your own. God had created the heavens and the earth. Okay? Alam naman natin yon, di ba? The creation account. The heavens, the earth, the sea, the land, the sky, the vegetation, the stars, the moon, the sun, and then the birds, and then the animals. And after every statement of creation, it says, and the Lord saw that it was good. How many of you believe God's creation is good? How many of you like to go to nature when you're stressed out? Why? Because there's, there's a sense of not just... The relaxing effect of it, but it's a sense that somehow we're close to God. Many people feel somehow an ease of communing with God when they're in nature. Sometimes it's hard, you know, with all the traffic and all of these things. It's kind of hard to find God at times. But in nature, we see that. Why? Because it's a reflection of the image of God. But there's something as important as the creation is. When we read this text, we see something change. It's like... After being inspired, it's like God pauses for a moment and then he has fresh inspiration and says, after all these things that I've made, I want to do this. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so we see that the creation of man was something different from the rest of creation, as beautiful as creation is. Look at Psalm 19 verse 1. It says, the heavens declare... The glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. You know, how many of you appreciate when you see a beautiful sunset? You know, just we were in Manila Bay just a, a couple of weeks ago with our global leaders. And that was worth it. When they were seeing the famed Manila Bay sunset. And if you're lucky, you can actually see, I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Sometimes you can actually see Mount Samat and then that cross. It's very faint, but you can actually see it. And so... Romans 1.20 says this, For his invisible 
attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So the creation reflects the glory and the majesty of God. But when it comes to man and woman, it's like God imprints himself, if you will, upon his creation. The word create means to shape. And the word image means to cut out or to chisel out. It's kind of like making a statue. Now, certainly we know that the Lord prohibits idolatry. But the sense of the word to, to make us in his image is to make us in his likeness. You know, when you're making a statue, a sculpture, it's supposed to represent the person who you're making the statue from. But the difference is, it's a living statue. So in a sense, when God created man and woman, when he created you and me, he wanted to chisel out something that pointed back to who he was. That's the sense of the word. Now, in light of this passage, we see three important truths about man being made in God's image. Number one is this. We have inherent worth and dignity. Of course, we know that God has infinite worth and dignity. And by creating us in His image, He was extending that value and worth to us. Psalm 139 verse 14 says this, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Now, pag tinagalog mo, paka hindi magandang, I'm fearfully wonderful made, nakakatakot yung pagkagawa sa akin, hindi naman ganun. Okay, the word fearfully actually is translated awe-inspiring. Wow. And wonderful means to be separate and distinct. Sa Tagalog mga kapatid, katangi-tangi. Nung nilikha tayo ng Panginoon, hindi lang siya namangha. Hindi lang kamangha-mangha ang ginawa niya. Pati yung paggawa niya sa atin is distinct. In other words, we are unique expression of Him. Now you might say, well, I'm just an ordinary person. No, as far as God is concerned, you are unique. It's kind of like this. Someone said, when He made the mold, He threw the mold away. See, the world tries to define your worth by your physical looks and by athletic abilities, by your intelligence and productivity, isn't it? When you reflect upon your value and your worth as a person, who defines your worth? Is it your academic degree or diploma? You know, growing up here in this nation, we know we value education. And I remember my, my grandmother was so proud of her children, my dad included. Lahat yung diploma ng mga anak niya nandun, nakapaskil dun sa dingding nila. And that's, that's fine. She's a proud Lola. But what if you didn't graduate from a good school? What if you just graduated or you didn't even graduate at all? Does that mean that your worth and value is anything less? What if you don't have the physical looks of an artista or you know, this or that? Does that mean that you're less valuable and less worth? And yet how insecure we become when we don't somehow measure up. Do you think God made a mistake when he created you? Well, some of you feel that way, but as far as God is concerned, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, look at your neighbor and be in awe of that person. Come on now. 
Come on, is this the word of God or is this the word of man? Oh, sige, palapakan niyo yung bawat isa sa inyo, okay? Now, am I saying don't try to look good, don't put on makeup? No. Alright? I remember one preacher said this before, if the barn needs painting, paint it, okay? <laughs> Thank God for makeup. Hallelujah. Now, you know, now, I don't wear makeup, just for the record. My wife does, and I love her for it. Not just the makeup, but her. <laughs> All right. Number two, truth about our being made in God's image. We have inherent worth and value. Number two is we were created for relationship. Notice this. Verse 26 says, let us make man in our image. Now, who is this us? Apparently, God was in conversation with somebody and... I guess he was excited. You know, it was a cooperative effort, and I think in a sense. Now, when you read the commentaries on this, some commentators are saying this us is probably called the divine council, which we don't have time to look into. But some say it's probably the Trinity, the triune God. Now, you can make a case for both, but regardless, I think it's safe to say it was the Trinity. Then we can say that when God created us, it was a reflection of God Himself. That God is one God, but three persons as we know it. Now, that's a mystery, isn't it? Have you ever wondered why God made Himself known as one God in three persons? You know, my children ask me that question, how can God be one in three and three in one? By the way, one in three and three in one is a tri-unity where you get the word Trinity. And so, I've wondered about that and I've studied the scriptures and there's, there's some ways that they've tried to describe the Trinity, you know, through the creation, but it falls short all the time. Like for example, uh, the sun. You know, the sun can be the Father, the light can be the sun, and the heat can be the Holy Spirit. Or water. If you think about water, water is one of the few elements that can exist in three states all at the same time. Have you ever thought of that? It's called the triple point. At four degrees Celsius and one atmospheric pressure, water can exist as ice, as water, and as water vapor. Oh, you learned something today, huh? Okay. And us, you know, some say we're tripartite in our being. We're spirit, soul, and body. So there's things that are used to describe to understand God as one in three and three in one, but they all fall short. We simply accept it by faith. There's a very important implication for God being one in three and three in one, and it's this. God exists in relationship. Now think about that. God has never existed by himself. He's always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God exists in relationship. Is it any different then that when he made you and me, he also created us for relationship? See, we were never intended to be alone. Actually, you'll see that we didn't read that verse. If we're a reflection of God... He created us for relationship with himself and with one another. That's why when he created man, he didn't create him just one. He said male and female, he created them. 
Now, of course, there's many iterations of relationship, whether that's marriage, whether that's family, whether that's friendship, whether that's community. But the point is, when you're right, right relationship with God, then your relationships with one another will flourish. And that's so important. We teach that when we're marrying people. How many of you want to get married one day? All right. It's a good thing to get married, okay? Just make sure you find the right person, all right? And we keep telling that people get shocked. Marriage is a love triangle. Oh, and that triangle is the husband, the wife, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the closer you come to Jesus, the closer you come to one another. Now, of course, we know the assault of the enemy on relationship. We live in a broken world with breakdowns in marriage, alienation from family, friends that are in conflict with one another, and so on and so forth. You know, the greatest need of every person, at least as someone said it, is to be loved and accepted by God and by others. And when that need is not met, we see a relational breakdown and we see the world we're living in. And so there's many implications of this, but we're laying a foundation for you to appreciate what God originally intended for you and me to be. Yes, we have worth and dignity. Yes, we were made for relationship. And then number three, we were created to extend God's rulership in the earth. He blessed them. How many of you like the word blessed? Come on. Right when God made you, He already blessed you. That's the beginning point of relationship with God. You're not cursed. The beginning point of God's relationship with man was a blessing. He blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and so on and so forth. What was God doing? See, God is the owner of the earth. He owns this planet. But he needs someone to take care of it. How many of you work for a company? Can I see your hands? All right, most of you. Maybe you're a supervisor. Maybe you're a manager. Whatever you are. You know what you are? You're a steward. A steward is someone who takes care of the resources of somebody. So listen, this planet belongs to God, but he needs somebody to take care of this planet. And he chose you and me, man and woman, to do that. And there's many ways to rule over, to be fruitful, whether that's procreation, to spread over all the earth, to subdue it. You know the word subdue. Again, we're, we're just... Pinapahapyawan lang natin to, mga kapatid, kasi konti lang yung panahon natin. But, you know, this world needs to be subdued. It's wild in and of itself. And that's the sense of it. Yet, at the same time, we also need to take care of this world. As it says in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, just the other day, I was reading the, the pollution index in New Delhi. I think it was, was three times the upper limit. So I can't imagine. I mean, it's polluted in our city, but... Three times on arm, people would, would tear up. They had to stop the schools. And apparently the reason for it is because, I guess they do something like slash and burn here, the farmers, and it's affecting the city. I mean, you know, that's not taking care, that's not ruling over creation. Michael Heiser said this, I like it. We were created to image God, to be His imagers. It is what we are by definition. The image is not an ability we have, but a status. We are God's representatives on the earth. And, and take note of this. To be human 
is to image God. Yung pagkatao nyo, mga kapatid, your very reason for existence, kahit anong sinabi nyo, oh, di ba, mahilig tayo sa ganun, oh, sumingaw ka lang, napulot ka lang sa basura, mahilig tayo to demean people. But let me tell you what God's Word says. He made you to be His imager. How many of you know there's no higher dignity than that? Come on now. No matter what the world tells you, your value before God is you are His representative. You are His imager. To be human is to image God. That's the good news. These are all wonderful truths about how God fashioned us. But the big question is this. If that was God's intention and plan, why are we in the situation that we are in? Both individually and as a community. Think about that. Lord, ang ganda ng plano mo. Bakit ganito tayo ngayon? Of course, we can celebrate and be grateful for the wonderful things that God's done through people. The other month when we did a series on the kingdom of God, I don't know if you know this, especially in the last several hundred years, many of the hospitals, educational institutions, other things, scientific developments, many of those were actually done by Christians. So whenever people do things that bring benefits and blessing to, to the whole of humanity, it's actually a reflection of the image of God. If you're productive in your company, if you generate sales that are, you know, that are done righteously, come on, everything that you do, when you're helping out our countrymen in Mindanao who are suffering because of the earthquake, anything that's done that is doing good is a reflection of the image of God. Yet at the same time, we also see the many evils that are happening, whether it's human trafficking, whether it's crime, whether it's drug addiction, and so on and so forth. And the reality is there's both good seed and bad seed in the kingdom, isn't it? And so, okay, that's God's intention. So what does the Lord want to teach us? Well, concerning if this was an intention and this is what the world is, what does God want to teach us? The answer goes back to how God created us. In Genesis 2 verse 7, and I read from this earlier. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. You know what this means? It's a paradox, isn't it? On the one hand, when God created us, he created us in his image, in his likeness, with glory and worth. At the same time, we are made of dust. We are both of high dignity and frailty all at the same time. And the only reason why we're able to exist is because of our relationship with God. What happened in Genesis chapter 3? We know the story. Man and woman, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. The single command that God gave them. And what was the consequence in Genesis 3.19? By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. Do you see the paradox that we are in relationship with God? We have great worth and value and dignity, but when we disobey and sin, we eventually, not immediately, but we go back to what we were. 
I don't want to sound morbid, but more and more people, when they die, they like to be cremated, isn't it? Well, we're simply going back to where we came from. Parang hirap pakinggan, abulang po tayo. Without God, but with God, we're His imagers. And so the implication is this, something happened when man and woman disobeyed. That image was marred, was distorted. And the question is this then, have we lost that privilege of being God's imagers because of sin? If you read the rest of the story, hindi ko na po ano yun, para magbasa po kayo ng Bible, okay? hindi ko na po ikukwento lahat. Actually, it becomes worse. In Genesis 3, after they disobeyed, Genesis 4, the first murders committed, Cain murdered his own brother Abel. And after that, in Genesis 6, you know, there came a point in time where evil came. And there was a description in Genesis 6, the Lord saw that the intentions of man's heart was evil all the time. And he was grieved that he had made man. That has got to be the saddest verse ever in the Bible. Nagsisi po ang Panginoon na nilikha niya tayo. Dahil sa kasamaan na nasa puso ng tao. And God in His judgment, righteous judgment, was going to destroy the whole earth. But Noah found favor with Him. And so he preserved his family. You know the story. The flood came, wiped out all the... And then God began afresh. And it's interesting here in 9 verse 6. This was after the flood when God called Noah and his family to do the same thing that he had done. Adam and Eve. He says, so he gave them, be fruitful, multiply. It's the same command that he gave Adam and Eve. So inulit po niya. And then this is what he says. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. What is the conclusion, brothers and sisters? God has not given up. Yes, that image was distorted, was marred. We lost our capacity to reflect and be images of God. But as far as God is concerned... He wants to preserve the image that He placed in you and me. And the rest of the Bible is the greatest story of the greatest rescue mission ever undertaken. And in the 21st century, in 2019, God is still in the business of restoring His image in you and me. And as we close tonight and pray, and I'm asking the worship team to be here as well, I want us to worship God because there's something powerful. I, I didn't plan on sharing this verse, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, And we with unveiled faces reflecting the image of God are being transformed as we behold Him. You know why worship is powerful? Because every time you worship, something transformative happens in our lives. We get our eyes off of ourselves and we become transformed by who we behold. Now, I'm giving you a clue, but there's two more things that we're going to be studying in the next two weeks. Okay, so wag po kayo mawawala, okay? 
May iba pong preach dito next two weeks. But you will learn more about how we as men reflect the image of God and how women as well reflect. Both men and women, this is important. Both men and women uniquely reflect the image of God. And we'll find out about that next week. But for tonight, I want us to stand up. And what's going to happen is this. When we worship God, we get our eyes off of ourselves. We, f- we see Jesus with eyes of faith. And you know what happens? Every time you set your heart and your mind on the face of Christ, I know it's a metaphor. You, you, we don't really see the physical face of Christ, but we imagine with our sanctified imagination the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love, the acceptance, the power to heal you. And as we worship tonight, somehow, little by little, that image is being restored. Let's worship God right now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you were challenged and inspired by the message. Together, let's continue to honor God and make disciples.